and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about tabletop gaming as a spectator activity. These days you can watch just about anything on YouTube or Twitch. From D&D to Magic the Gathering, Rado runs through and watch it played, which ironically doesn't actually do gameplay videos anymore, Game Night and Inside the Box. And well, really countless other postings others posting videos of themselves and or their groups playing board games. But what do we like or not like about these kinds of videos? When do you cross the line from instructional to entertainment? And do we want to see more types of these videos? But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the Gifted Games Grace Lake, Illinois. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. All right. Um... Top of the show reminder, we're on Zoom, so if you want to join us on Zoom, like all of the wonderful people who are watching us, watch them record, us record, they watching us, watch that, you know, that on Zoom, just go <laughs> to tabletopgametalk.com, watch <laughs> watching them watch us, <laughs> <laughs> go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live. Um, so far, Monday nights at 8.30 Central Time have been the times. We haven't changed that. There will be an exception in two weeks, though. Um, but that's just because, you know, Kitty's deciding to give birth or something, whatever. Um, speaking of, how's, how's, how's things going, Kitty? Uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> You're, what, two weeks away now? What, what is your induction date? Uh, the 26th. If things do not happen by the 26th, that's the latest it's going to go. So that is less than three weeks. Yep. And then baby number two. Is it going to be player four? Baby number two. Player four. On the way. <laughs> nice. Anything cool happened this weekend? Was there a weekend? I don't think. Um, I mean, I've been propagating some new house plants, and I planted them in dirt this weekend. So, you know. So absolutely that nothing. That was my <laughs> big activity. Yeah, it was super exciting and cool. Uh, player three is very upset because he likes to look at the roots of the plants and now he can no longer see the roots as they are in dirt. Um, but he'll get over it. <laughs> so Fletcher, have you done he pulled anything one out of the pot today? I had to remove <laughs> it out of his reach. <laughs> have you done anything more exciting than playing with dirt? Uh, I've been playing with puppy. So lots okay. of playing with puppy. <laughs> <laughs> it's super fun. She's grown a lot and, um, so, you know, some sleepless nights. Mixed in there as well, because puppy crying at like <laughs> four thirty in the morning, needing needing to go out. So you know, hashtag puppy life. Yep, it's, you only got a good four months. Well, you actually within two or three months, you'll be a lot better. But as you won't say, be less a lot fewer months with dogs than with humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'll still there's still going to be a puppy for the first two years and have that puppy energy. So yep. Buckle up. Yeah, but at some point it becomes just the energy and not the like needs as much. Yeah. Yeah. You Hopefully, you know, she'll she'll be able to hold her bladder for more than two hours. So that's the main thing. Is yes. Letting her out every yeah. couple of hours. It's one hour per month, I think, is the general rule of thumb if you're crate training. So at four yeah. months, they should be able to stay in the crate for four hours before like, okay, I don't care. I'm just going. But yeah. Yeah. And she's nine weeks. Which means, so. yeah, <laughs> which means you have a little while before you're going to be sleeping through the night. All good. All good. Yeah, I last week's episode inspired me and I have replaced all of my paints. So I had a bunch of Reaper paints that I bought like 12 years ago 
and they still work. They're fine. A lot of the bottles, like the dropper doesn't work anymore. I have to pull the top off and, you know, kind of stir it up with a stir and to get any paint out. But um, I decided to replace it with a army painter starter set. And I got a really cool case for it. And now I'm super excited to like just paint all the stuff. Also, it's your sh- favorite part of any hobby is spending too much money on it. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, did I spend? Because it wasn't. It's not crazy expensive. Like the starter set I got was like 150 dollars, which for the amount of paint you get, and it'll last me for again another decade, isn't too bad. But like all in one lump sum, I have to feel like I'm going to use it. And so now I feel obligated <laughs> to paint all kinds of things. So, and then on top of that, if that wasn't bad enough, um, I blame Sean for this. Uh, Peck Tech, check out his video. Check out his review of Cthulhu Death May Die. Very good. Uh, he painted all this stuff with Citadel contrast paints. So I painted my giant Cthulhu with that. And I'm like, wow, these are actually pretty good. I hate Citadel, but these are actually pretty good. So then I got an entire set of those as well. And then rebottled them because the Citadel pots are just terrible but um yeah so now i have to use those as well and those were way more than 150 dollars um so now i feel pressured to paint everything i own i started looking at zombie side black plate and green black plague and green horde and i'm like all right well that's my life for a long time um but anyway <laughs> that was my weekend of just like is sorting paints um what else was that super fun? is that is it really any better than planting propagated plants really well i literally was re-bottling paints <laughs> so that i didn't have to watch them dry but i'm not sure it's any better so <laughs> did you put yeah. new bottles at least yeah oh speaking of okay so um someone asked and i apologize <laughs> to the person who asked because it was a great idea and basically fletcher stop muting yourself so i can stop unmuting you <laughs> basically <laughs> Um, someone asked whether or not I would ever do a painting class in Zoom, and 100%, yes, I'm going to do that. I haven't exactly picked a time. It'll be probably a Saturday or a Sunday, something on the weekend. Um, and it won't be this weekend, but it could be a weekend in the next month or so, where I'm essentially going to set up Zoom, do a live feed, and I'm going to let anyone who wants join, I'm going to paint the miniatures, a miniature or two, probably two, from um, My Little Scythe, because those miniatures are adorable, but they're also big, so it would be easy to show how you paint different things on over video. Um, I'm going to, I'll post, before I do this video, I will post a list of my like recommended starter set, which will come in to around... 50 to $60 on Amazon. Um, but it'll give you everything you need to start painting. I'm only going to use those items or equivalents for the painting class, uh, which will be, I'll put on, it'll be on YouTube so you can watch it later if you're not able to join. But if you are able to join, then you can ask questions and what are you doing here? But anyway, um, so if you're interested in painting, if you last week's episode said, hey, I want to kind of do that, uh, this will be a good place to start doing that. So just teach you all the basics. And, you know, paint something, bring something you want to paint and we'll cover priming, um, basically base coats and washing. And then I'll probably cover just a touch of highlights like um, dry brushing as well. And you'll be able by the end of like a two hour Zoom session, you'll have a miniature that you'll be like, wow, I this is cool. So 
And that'll just be to anyone who wants to. Unless you're like me. You'll have an eighth of a miniature, but you'll know what you're doing for the rest of it. It'll just be another six hours. (laughs) You don't have to to finish it in the two hours. The idea is really just to kind of get you past that hump of where do I even begin? That's really the the real goal. Okay. Um, Wow. It's already nine minutes in. Time flies. Um, This week, I like this topic. Um, Fletcher, have you ever watched... Someone online play a board game um, and just watch the entire game play through. I don't think I have. I've seen like how it's played videos, which is not quite the same thing. So I, I would say no, I haven't. Have you ever listened or watched an actual play like Critical Role or, well, in Kitty's case, like Glass Cannon or something like that? I haven't, no. Perfect. All right. So you are going to take the side of, this is absurd. Why would anyone watch someone else play board games? That's so stupid. (laughs) I don't feel that way, though. Doesn't matter. That's the side you're taking. I have assigned you. It's just not my (laughs) cup of tea. (laughs) You've been put in a box. Deal with it. (laughs) Um, Kitty, we know you love Glass Cannon, so we know you've listened to actual plays. Have you done Mm -hmm. any other watching, like, like, tournament chess or like any any game whatsoever where you've like watched a game being I used played. to watch the World Series of Poker. Does that count? You know something? That does count. I've seen that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I used to watch that back, you know, when I didn't have things to do over the summer and they would play it on like whatever weird cable channel my parents had <laughs> that played that kind of thing. Um, so I watched that. I've also watched a few games of Keyforge played online. I've watched um a few Watch It Plays that were the original Watch It Played, not the how to plays, but more of the actual gameplay ones. But not very many. I say I'm only vaguely familiar, and that was a while ago. And so as I- research for this podcast. <laughs> so I have been watching too many of these lately. Um, I, I, not too many, but it's been one of these things where I've been staying up late at night and just popping up on YouTube and like, you know, I'm interested in this particular game. I want to watch someone play it. And I'm getting sucked down a rabbit hole because they're actually kind of addicting. Even the boring ones are addicting. But I want to talk about the non-boring ones and kind of how <laughs> how these things can be presented better. Because... One of the things I've been talking about with Sydney is adding content to our YouTube channel. And I want to play, and this is never going to actually happen, but this is the conversation I have. <laughs> it's called a, it's <laughs> a new I, genre called Never Play. Exactly. Yeah. Never Play. It's a <laughs> channel. It's just a box. And you just like, yeah, not this time. Maybe next nope. time. Watch it unplayed. Yeah. <laughs> Every video unplayed. is one minute about. Yeah, it's about, well, I was going to play this game, but it seemed like a lot of work, so I didn't. Um, but I wanted to do, like, a review. I still want to. I want to do a review of, like, all the different characters in Cthulhu, and then all of the dis- different scenarios, and I want to play all the scenarios and all the combinations, and every character is played once, and you play all the different scenarios against all the different gods, and, yeah, like I say, that's never going to actually happen. But last night, I found myself watching someone play season two... No, season one, episode two of Cthulhu Death May Die. And I found myself screaming internally. I, it was two, like one o'clock in the morning. I wasn't <laughs> actually screaming out loud. Internally, I'm like, why are you taking so long? You should have like 
disrupted the ritual by now. And why are you guys, why are you not taking any sanity damage? This is how you win the game. You got to go crazy so you can get your powers up. But it was immensely entertaining. And it made me think, it's like, I, there's better ways to do this. That's totally how I feel about Glass Cannon, though. I started listening to them because, well, I actually listened to um, the Adventure Zone first, the McElroy Brothers um, actual play podcast. And I finished their first um, kind of playthrough. They've got like, I guess, seasons, maybe you'd call it. And the first one is definitely the longest. And it's a D&D 5th Ed campaign. But like, barely. <laughs> it's more like a radio drama where they occasionally pretend to roll dice. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked that. Um, and when I finished it, I was like, wow, I really want to listen to more actual play content. And I listened to like the first three episodes of like a bunch of different ones. And I finally found Glass Cannon. I was like, oh, these guys are okay. And I kept listening. And I was um, working on a big sewing project at the time. And it's a few episodes in where you really get caught. You have to kind of like get past the initial barrier of like, I don't know who these people are. I can't tell their voices apart. I don't know the story. I don't know the characters. And, you know, it takes a while to get all of that you know, down. And once you can start differentiating and you know what's going on, you get like more caught up in the story. You know, these things usually have kind of a slow start. But there is one point where I'm just like sitting there yelling like, concealment, you need to take into account concealment. How are they not rolling these things? And you know, I'm like shouting at my phone. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I need to calm down. But this is a good show. (laughs) I really want to keep listening to what's going on here. But yeah, you you have those moments of like, ah, (laughs) and you get invested in it. Now, for like an actual play podcast, this is a role playing (laughs) game where you're basically listening to a story. I think it's a little bit easier to follow that, especially like a podcast where you can actually follow it. I don't know that podcasting playing a board game would be all that interesting. Maybe some board games. Probably not. (laughs) Um, Actually, it would have to be a lot of role playing. So there is one that is doing it, and the Mythos Busters podcast, which is a podcast designated to the Arkham Horror Living Card Game, they are doing audio playthroughs of different scenarios, and it's I've listened to a number of them, and they're quite compelling. Like you don't, the cards tell the story, and they they let you know what's going on, but for the most part, it's easy enough to follow because it is story based more than it is like board strategic you know placement and stuff like that is it like an announcer kind of like narrating everything this is one person who's playing a solo version of the game and so he'll go through it's like okay so i'm gonna you know i'm gonna go over to this room here and and reveal like oh uh, a monster popped up and now i'm gonna you know attack him and oh i could i have this card here i could play this card no i think i'm just gonna do this and i'm gonna go straight so he'll narrate everything he's doing but if you've ever played the game, you can follow along pretty easily. It's like D&D. Like, typically D&D, if you're looking at the table and there's miniatures and stuff going on, you can follow that visually. But if you didn't have the visual, you could still follow it, you know, just by imagining what's going on and say, oh, yeah, I, I have a good feeling of what's what's going on here. But I'm wondering – so there's a ton of these on YouTube. Um, obviously, I think we have to start with Tabletop with Will Wheaton. This is – Neither of you have seen this before, right? No. I've I've seen clips of it before, but I haven't watched okay. the whole episode. This was probably I, I don't I it, it probably it wasn't the first time that people were filming themselves playing board games, but it was the first time where it was at a quality level that it drew 
non-gamer attention. Plus, it was Will Wheaton. So, you know, if you followed him at you all. You celebrity. Liked... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you have a celebrity tie-in. And he got his other celebrity friends, you know, typically mostly B-list celebrities, but still people that you know. And, like, especially if you're in the um, geek culture. Um, it's actually Geek and Sundry is the, I think, was the name of the company at the time. It is the name of the company now. But, um, so, but what they did is they did a light teach of a game. And then they played the game in what I call reality show style. So what would happen is you'd watch everyone take their turn and then they would do like these confessional interviews and they would talk <laughs> on there. It's like, yeah, I really got to get Will. Like he's he's trying to make inroads there. He's like 10 points up, but I think I can get him if I take this move over here, you know? And they'd have this like talking about what they're thinking and why they did what they did and what their plans were. And like you wouldn't talk to every booth, like reality, like a confession kind of thing. <laughs> Exactly, exactly like that. And it was fascinating to watch. And it was edited, highly edited. So it wasn't like you're watching the entire game as everyone's thinking and him and Han about what they want to do. It was you saw the action spots, you saw what people were thinking, you still saw the game. And that was, you can still go back if you have not watched tabletop. I think it's just tabletop. If you search on YouTube, it'll pop up. But tabletop with Will Wheaton, um, you'll see a whole bunch of them. And one of the things that I heard back in the day when these were live is when he was going to do a game, he had to let the publisher know ahead of time so the publisher could go out and make a print run of about 20,000 copies because that's how many more additional copies of that game would sell minimum. And if they didn't, it was they just got like caught with their pants down because there's like all this demand and no games out there. So it was very much like, yeah, we are going to let you know this is going to happen. Be ready for it. Um, Tiny Epic Galaxies was one of the games and it's still everyone's favorite Tiny Epic game. A, because it's great. And B, because it was popular right at the start. So that was one style. Another style is the watch it played style. So Kitty, you've watched this before. So I'm going to let you explain this one and then I'll just correct you afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the one I saw, they were playing a fairly complicated um, Star Wars miniatures game that I'm not sure which one. Um, Probably Legion. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Where it was, um, so this is Rodney Smith, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and he had a friend with him who he was playing against. And they played maybe, they like walked through the setup of the game and then played maybe just a few turns. It was, um, I only watched the first part of this video and they took some turns they talked out why they were doing what they're doing how it works and then they stopped and said now let me know what my strategy should be for the next you know 20 minutes of gameplay or whatever it will be uh and we'll come back to this game and i'll take your tips and hints and suggestions into account as i play the next portion of the game and then went on from there. Yep. So their style was essentially um, audience interaction. Now, the reason it was called, mm-hmm. the channel was called Watch It Played is because that's essentially what this channel was started as. He would do an episode to explain the rules of the game, and then he would do several episodes to watch it played. And oftentimes it may have been just him, but oftentimes he brought on his son or his daughter um, or, oh, Pe- is it Peck? Pen? I want to say Peck. I want to say that Pep? that was his name. Um, it's Our chat is telling us Pep. Pep. Yes. 
Pep is. See, this is why I love having people listening and correct us in real time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was very much you got to watch them play. Now, this was also highly edited. So you didn't have a lot of downtime in him and Han and stuff. And they had a lot of outtakes where, you know, you could watch them like retake different things over and over and stuff. It was really crazy entertaining. I didn't like watching it in real time, but I would love to watch like all six episodes all at once and just watch how the game plays. Um, and I thought that was great. He doesn't do that anymore because it's an immense amount of work. And now mm-hmm. he just teaches rules and makes a ton more money because he's working with Board Game Geek and stuff like that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's like, got him where he needed to go. Also, Sean mentions in chat that Geek and Sundry is the channel that Tabletop was on. And they do still do uh, gameplay videos. They just don't do it through... Uh, they just, obviously, Will Wheaton isn't involved anymore. There's some drama behind that, but I'll let you Google that as to how that all came out. The next We're not one... We're going to spill the tea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the next one, which is it's borderline watching a game played, but at the same time, it's exactly watching a game played. And that's Rotto Runthroughs. <laughs> have you guys seen Rotto Runthroughs at all? Yes. I, I think I have. So this is where, so Rod, Richard Ham is his name. And he was in video games for 20 years and decided to get out of video games. And he, but he still likes games. And so he's now does a channel. Um, his podcast comes out once a month. It's anywhere from three to six hours long. And I listen to the whole thing every single month. It's where I get a lot of the topics for this show because listeners will send it. Now it's all questions, all questions. But listeners will send in things and he'll go off on tangents and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's a great topic. So I'll, I'll like write down the topic. Uh, but he goes a lot behind the scenes and like his personal life and how he got to where he went and stuff like that. But Rado is the way he does his actual plays or his, his playthroughs, is he... Well, it, it's changed over time, too. Right now, he has fixed camera. Um, he's going to walk through a game, and he'll either play it solo, or he'll play it against him and his wife, Jen. But he plays both sides. So in his head, he's like, okay, so I am here. I am player one. She is player two. I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this, and talks out all of his decision process. And now it's Jen's turn. And this is all the things that she can do. And I think she would do this. And now it's my turn. And I'm going to do this and this. And ah, I got to do this because I don't want Jen to be able to do that. So I'm going to do this. And he'll kind of go back and forth. He does that for a turn or two. And then he'll stop the video. So it's less than an hour just so you can get a feel for the thing. And then oftentimes he'll have extended cuts where he'll go out and he'll play the entire game through. And then he does his final thoughts, which are more review-like. But what he always says is like, don't listen to my final thoughts. Watch me play the game because that's the whole reason I play the game is so you can get a feel for it. I have my own preferences. I have my own things I like or dislike about games and what I'm looking for in games. The run-throughs are what you should look at to say whether or not this is a game for you. Because just because it's not for me doesn't mean it's not for you. And I think it's a really cool way of presenting gameplay. And they're compelling. Like People like can just watch an endless amounts of these. I personally just go to the final thoughts. Um, I'll watch a few here and there, but... <laughs> You do exactly so what he tells you not I to think, do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you are so prone to getting into a game and then not actually enjoying it because it's not your type of game, even though it's super hyped by the board game media. Well, he also... You have fallen into that trap so many times. <laughs> it's, it is true. You got to find the person that 
it works with you. Um, Michael actually mentions that uh, you have to turn on the Klingon channels on Rado's channel because the Klingon channel is where it subtitles all his rules mistake. He has an editor that goes through who's like, you made a mistake here. So I'm just going to put in the rules like, nope, you're not supposed to do it that way or whatever. So, um, but what Rado does. Apparently, than- he's also a fast talker. He is. I no yeah. longer notice this because I grew up in a large family of fast talkers <laughs> and it is just normal to me. Well, he's doing all kinds of extra stuff now, too. Like, he's doing uh, Corner to Corner with Tom Vassell, which are just fascinating things to listen to and or watch. Um, and he's, like, tying in with other things. He's bringing more people onto his channel. Um, apparently, a friend of his kept bugging him to be like, you can make this more. And he's like, fine, if you want to make it more, you can be my channel manager. And his friend's like, okay. <laughs> and so he's brought on like two people, another person's coming along. And so he's doing a whole bunch of stuff. He's like, I just want to fill games. I'm good with that. But I think like what he does is really, really cool. And he is one of the few reviewers that will do just about any Kickstarter game. Like if you see a Kickstarter, that's a big one. There's probably a Rado run through on it. And it's the best way to get a good feel for Kickstarters is watching him play through the game. And a lot of times at the end during his final thoughts, he'd be like, you know, this game is really great. We like this, this, and this. But here's the thing I had a problem with. And if only they had done this, it would have been like, solve this problem. And many Kickstarters have actually changed their game based on that feedback. I've seen it over and over and over where it's like, you know, that's that's true. We didn't think of that. We're going to change it. He was a game designer for 20 years, so... You know, he he thinks of games in that way. Um, so I really like those as well. Am I convincing you guys to watch any of these? To go out and be entertained by watching him play games? I have so much content I already need to catch up on. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Fletcher, I might watch about a few. You? I also don't sleep anymore, though. So we'll get there, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, I might watch a few. Um, this is... Like, not a genre that I'm typically super into. Watching other people play tabletop games. I I might be able to get into something like Glass Cannon or something like that because it's more of a story-based thing. Um, You should totally get into Glass Cannon. I would love to have somebody to talk to about it with. Nobody will talk (laughs) to me about it. (laughs) Uh, But for me, it's it's mostly pragmatic. Like... Uh, reading through the rules and then watching somebody play a game that is like teaching me the rules, um, I find helpful. So those are the videos that I typically tend to watch. Yeah, that's how I started as well. And then I started watching videos of games that I actually already knew how to play. And that's what I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm down a rabbit hole. Um, Jay in chat mentions that if you know Siphon Filter, this is Richard Ham. Siphon Filter and Fable 2 are probably Richard Ham's, Rado's biggest video games. So if you know those, then you know some of his work. Um, let's see, I'm going to mention a couple other real quick, and then we're going to kind of have a discussion as to what would bring you into watching board games. Um, Game Night is a channel that has to be pushed by BGG. Um, because it's always on the front page of BGG. I don't know if there's an actual tie-in <laughs> there. Um, I think there is. But with Game Night, what it is, is there's a core group of people, and then they bring in guests from typically other content creators, other YouTube channels, will bring in, will come in, and they'll play a game. And there'll be a teach of the rules, and then they'll go through and they'll play the game. Um, it's a little... It, it's 
the quality is good and the and you know the rules are spot on but they're not necessarily um it's not to the same level as like the watch it played and tabletop type of stuff um the other thing let's see um i wanted i mentioned in the opening but i didn't actually note it here is inside the box i love this channel so much it if you have not watched anything from inside the box just go to youtube inside the box and watch everything so they don't do full plays of the game uh the early stuff they were trying to teach the game but these are skits around the game so you'll find like games where they will go into a world or they go into the board game world and like they did um i think they did a pandemic one where they actually had to where, where they were like fighting the pandemic in the thing and this is way before the actual real pandemic um or like horror games where they get sucked into the game um they did a HeroScape one where you know they're the characters running around on the board and it is so so funny uh pg-13 at minimum but it's it is so good i binge watched these one night and then i had also been apparently listening to our drinking games episode because then i ended up going to their patreon <laughs> and backing them like 20 dollars a month because i'm like this is the best stuff i've ever seen ever you said this is inside the box inside the box what's in it the is, box <laughs> it is so <laughs> so good i hope it's not gwyneth paltrow <laughs> oh, just <laughs> so good i promise you um but all right. And then the last thing I'll talk about, um, random guy with a camera. This stuff happens. This is like the, the most common YouTube thing, right? Someone has a camera. Oftentimes you'll see this as solo playthroughs and they'll just set up a camera and they'll just narrate their solo playthrough. These are varying in quality. Um, camera quality is actually usually not too bad. It's not hard to get a good camera. Um, put your iPhone on a tripod and you have like a HD camera. But um, the charisma of the people playing games can leave something to be desired. And the pacing of some of this stuff was like, I just want to fast forward, watch it at 2x, and it'll probably be better uh, charisma-wise. But if you can find <laughs> watch someone it that you actually... X. Yeah. It's, some of the stuff is like, it's their thinking, but their internal thinking. Where Rado thinks everything out loud. So when he's thinking, it's actually entertaining because you're hearing all the thought process. A lot of these people are just thinking internally and kind of him and Han is which is not good video. Okay, so that's my introduction. Um, 20 minutes or so of introduction. <laughs> uh, oh, no, not Kitty or Fletcher. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to make you guys talk about the World Series of Poker. What do you like about it? Give us a rundown. For someone, someone who has not watched World Series of Poker on TV, first of all, you should. Second of all, run it down. <laughs> Um, I mean, obviously, honestly, it's like the announcing, the tension buildup, and um, the fact that you can kind of see like the cards underneath the table. They have like that little like like table cam. I don't know what to call it. Mm -hmm. That you can see yeah. like the cards that the players have. Um, and I think what makes like like anything really interesting, sports, you know, poker, whatever, um, is like good announcing. Like good announcing can make like what is dull like ostensibly like ostensibly it's just people playing poker but announcing can make it really interesting and very dramatic and um i mean i don't know if you've heard of like the marble runs or anything like that but oh my god i, mean, I just started it, it, watching those 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's literally all random, but the announce the announcing is like what makes it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's the drama and the announcing that that is is what makes it captivating to me. So also we got- the platform I was watching it on has excellent graphics, and it'll give you like the percentages of chances right. of winning with each hand, and you get like little introductions on each of the players, like. This person has come from nothing and built themselves up to get here. And they, you know, there's so much hype and it's so, it's quality entertainment plus the actual gameplay and the, um, it, it's very, it's very tense feeling at times and it, it really does a good job of building. And you don't have to know how reveal. to play poker to be entertained by it. Oh, no, not at all. No, you don't. And that's, yeah, and that's the real key, I think, is, you are entertained by watching and listening to the commentary, and you feel smart because they're telling you what you need to know. It does give you a little bit of, um, we call it the blind side effect, where if you uh, get a little bit of knowledge about something, you're like, well, now I'm an expert in this. <laughs> um, someone we love dearly read the blind side and then decided that now they can commentate on every football uh, play they ever see. <laughs> yep. And they have no idea how football works <laughs> still. Yeah. So I, um, but it's fun. It's yeah, fun to I, do. <laughs> and I, I want to circle back to the marble runs. I think it's jelly marble runs or j- just YouTube marble run. Because <laughs> this highlights more than anything how commentary can just make something that should be as boring as watching marbles roll down a platform into one of the most compelling and entertaining things that you can watch at two in the morning. It it's just fascinating how how much it comes to life. And this is why so I didn't touch on uh, Magic the Gathering watching live plays of that or Keyforge or Yu-Gi-Oh or any of those things. Typically those are commentated. And those are so, so compelling to watch because again, you're being there's commentary over it. So here's my question. Most of these videos, uh, so the tabletop one that was in um, reality TV style, uh, watch it played is interactive back and forth style. Rado um, and pretty much everything else is narrated in real time style. If there was a board game, say we'll just throw, say, Pandemic, and you were watching four people play Pandemic, but you didn't hear their conversations. It wasn't the four people that you were listening to. You were listening to two commentators commenting on what was going on in the game. Oh, the medic just moved over to London. I, I bet they're going to... Oh, if they, he did. He healed two cubes. All right. Yeah. Because, oh, what's going to come up? If you were listening to good commentators, not what I just did, but good commentation, <laughs> <laughs> would that be compelling enough to watch? Would you actually watch something like that? I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know it they would have to be good commentators it's very uh espn ate the ocho feeling <laughs> but uh i'm in i'd watch it i'd rather I, be the commentator though you know that that's my goal <laughs> but you have to know a lot to be able to commentate right i think i could do pandemic at least <laughs> you could yes you could commentate pandemic i mean i think, I think it's easier you know, with something like a sport or a game, like if we were going to do, you know, we keep threatening to do Keyforge, you know, you can know one game 
really well. But to do something where you're doing like watch it played, where you're doing a different game every week, you would have to do so much research because the commentators, you're not supposed to know it like just well enough. You're supposed to know it better than the players who you're watching. Like you're supposed to be the expert. And so it's it's a much higher level of knowing the game and to be able to do that for multiple games that's like ridiculously hard so you're right but you don't have to be good you just have to be knowledgeable (laughs) right (laughs) like the commentators for poker it helps if you're good though it helps if you're good but the commentators for for these games they know the game they study the game they may have never actually you know won a tournament or anything like that but they they've know the game better than the people who are listening usually maybe not better than like the championship players obviously but um <laughs> i think it's also you know there's the the stereotype of there's the rules commentator and then the color commentator you gotta and, have both you know there's the one person you gotta have both you gotta have you know <laughs> if you want to win I, the game you toddler- gotta score points <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, my toddler makes me watch the Disney movie Cars all the time, and so they have the Cars commentators for like the NASCAR <laughs> um, races, basically, and the they're hilarious. The, I've been brainwashed by Pixar. I'm sorry, but Kitty and some I of the funniest have... lines of the movie come from the color commentary. <laughs> well, Kitty and I have watched Pitch Perfect about I don't know a hundred times at least. And the oh commentation during the performances is just as so entertaining good. as the performances. Uh, so, who's the guy who does it? It's Elizabeth Banks, and this is going to drive me crazy. I'm well, you can Google it. Google over here. Keep as as I asked Fletcher. Fletcher, with good commentary, would you watch the most boring game? Maybe, I mean, let's yeah. Say, let's let's say Yahtzee. Someone's playing like there's a group of people <laughs> playing Yahtzee. Would you watch a YouTube channel? With two people comment- commentating on Yahtzee. Again, they have to be entertaining. You have the color commentary and the person who knows all the stats. Because right now I'm thinking, like, so, I want to watch this. So I think I mentioned it before, maybe offhand. But I have watched on ESPN 8, the Ocho, for, I don't know, maybe like 10 minutes or something like that. Uh, competitive dominoes. Mm-hmm. So I would put that right up there with Yahtzee in terms of, like, how... <laughs> visually interesting could this possibly be because you're not talking dominoes set them up and knock them down you're talking dominoes actually i'm talking about like the, the game, game dominoes, dominoes. Yeah. yeah not like toppling them and you were watching it and entertained by it i was watching it and i was entertained by it it was uh it was competitive <laughs> dominoes it was in pairs and uh you know you learn a little bit about the game dominoes and and you watch these four guys sit at a square table just like stare at each other and like place dominoes on a <laughs> on a surface. It was so strange. Yeah, Sean just mentioned that there's videos out there of X Wing, X Wing uh, game, a miniature tabletop miniature game by FFG with commentary, and he says it it's just like watching a sports match. As you know, these things are moving around. There's dice that are being rolled, and the results of is like, oh, he's making this maneuver, trying to get into place. Like all of these, I would watch that. Like X Wing, X Wing's a fine game. I can go to a game store and watch someone play X-Wing. That's fine, too. But if you're actually watching it with commentary, you're like, oh, this is good stuff. This is, I could, like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what pilots are good and what ships are good or those types of things. But if there's someone telling me what's good, 
then I feel smart. I feel like I should watch the game. And then there's someone else talking and like making it entertaining on top of that. I want to watch this. This is the type of stuff I want to do. I just need, you know, humorous commentators to commentate my games. So Terrence mentions that Covenant uh, did a ton of videos. So I'm 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 asking Chad at this point. Um, Covenant's videos were those voiced over with commentary, or were they just um, them narrating it as they played with like X-wing and stuff? And as as that answer pops up, I will say, what would you guys think of um, if you played a game? So say the three of us got together and we were playing a game. I'll go back to Pandemic again because it's either that or Monopoly. Um, <laughs> actually, could be Monopoly for all, all intents and purposes. But say we're playing a game of Pandemic. Three players playing a game of Pandemic. And then afterwards, so we record the whole thing. And then afterwards, we commentate what we just did as if we were talking outside of the game. Like an astral projected presence. Talking not as really like what we did but responding to ourselves as if we're not ourselves. And and really what I'm getting at, the so heart of this commentating question... commentating on our own actions? Yes, but as if that wasn't us doing those actions. So really what I'm getting at is the random guy with the camera. So the random guy with the camera talking in real time, which is apparently what Covered and Cast is, was doing is narrating in real time. Instead of talking in real time, record the whole video, and then commentate over it as opposed to com- commentating during... I've not seen this done, but for some reason it feels like this would be more entertaining to me because you could also edit and explain what you did and why you did it. Or I don't know. It just, there's something, I don't know how to make it work, but it's something feels like that could work. It sounds more like the tabletop model of like going to the confession. Like it would be very hard to, you know, kind of, take yourself out of what you're doing. It's why I can't listen to our own podcast because it's too like being part of a conversation I already had. I don't know. Um, so I could do it if I was like, basically if it's far enough away, it's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> the closer we get to real time, the more cringy it becomes. <laughs> but you know, if I'm talking about more like I'm commentating my own actions, I'm like giving, so I don't have to, be articulate in the moment where I'm making the decision. I can be articulate later about the decision I made. That's easier for me. There's less pressure there. And I think it might make a more entertaining video. But if I have to try to take myself out of the equation and just act like I'm watching a stranger play, and that's not going to be easy for me to do. I don't know. Well, it's definitely a skill, right? Like commentating, it's easy enough to have an opinion, to make that opinion entertaining for people who are listening to you and watching something else, that's a completely different skill. Like even what we do here, we're not we're not talking about a particular event in real time. We're just, I mean, oftentimes just talking out of our mouths. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> typically where we talk I was from. Wondering how you're going to get through that sentence? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't know. I, I, like I say, the more I've been thinking about, it, I just, I want to do something like this. I want to make tabletop games, like Critical Role, put D and D in the mainstream, quote unquote mainstream. But really, anybody could watch Critical Role. You didn't have to know how to play Dungeons and Dragons, and you were entertained by it. You were entertained by what was going on, on the screen, the stories, and they're playing actual D and D and everything they're doing, and like they're they're playing D and D. 
And Will Wheaton did that with Tabletop to start with. And Geek and Sundry still does that a little bit, but it, it doesn't have that same draw because you still have to have that celebrity draw. But I want to see a channel that takes this to the next level. To that, I don't know. That, that's what I'm chasing. That's what I'm chasing is how do you make this entertaining without dumbing it down? Because honestly, when I was watching Tabletop, one of the things that I, I – my only real complaint about it was it was entertaining, but it also was – Simpler games. It was quicker stuff. Did it feel pandering? I don't want to say pandering, but definitely highly edited to like fit in a nice 25, 30 minute time frame, which these games don't play in that time frame, right? Yeah, that's just not enough. Right. So, so you didn't really get a feel for what the game was if you were sitting at the table. You got an edited version of it. Entertaining, but still edited of what was going on. I think with Critical Role, and I'll admit I've never actually listened to it, but I think Glass Cannon is probably the same way. There's very little editing. There's nothing they're cutting out. They turn the can, turn the there's mic on. There's some editing, go. right? For the most part, though, you get. I know a good Glass feel, Cannon. Right? Well, it depends now because Glass Cannon is doing a lot of their stuff live now. Um, so at the beginning, there's a lot of, especially looking up rules that would get cut out because nobody wants to sit there while they like. Um, we have to look this up in the index and turn to page 250 and how do we make the underwater breathing rules in combat work again? Nobody wants to hear that. That kind of stuff got cut out. They'll also cut out, um, healing. Like you don't need to know how many times they had to burn, you know, charges on their wand of cure light wounds. Like that kind of stuff gets edited out. But most of the like table banter and that, that's all done real time. And now, um, they run one of their shows, Androids and Aliens, where they play um, Starfinder. They do that live and they have a rules lawyer who, like, it is his whole job to make sure they're following the rules and check the rules for them so they don't have to stop gameplay every time a rules question comes up. And it, it works nice really well. It's really fun. It's all up on, um, oh my gosh, <laughs> they make so much money on Patreon. It's ridiculous. Two of them, now this is their full time job because these guys aren't celebrities. Like, you put them over here with Critical Role, like, this is like, oh, celebrity, actual play people. They just started as nerds who put this up and they got had, sponsored by Paizo, they and they have one improvs. of the highest grossing Patreons. They had some improv skills, though. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like just... They are... Having improv yeah, skills does not make you a celeb- celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm I just think saying one of them was in a commercial. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying it wasn't four accountants that got together and started d- playing D&D. No offense to a One of them is an accountant, and you can guess who it is. I don't think he's actually an accountant, but he had more of a desk job. <laughs> but it was um, two of them are actors, one of them's a playwright, and then I think two of them are just nerds. That's fair. And it, but they have really great chemistry. And, you know, they also take a lot of time to write out their role plays ahead of time. These are not, like, spontaneously done things. These are episodes that are recorded pretty far in advance, and, you know... It's it's high quality content, but it's also you can tell a lot of work goes into it. Yeah. Um, but that's also why they have, you know, tons and tons of that sweet, sweet Patreon money rolling in. Well, that's what Miles just mentioned in the chat, too, is one of the things uh, that, you know, these successful, especially for um, Tabletop and a few others is graphics. Well presented with graphic overlays. So it's easier to follow. And the World Series of Poker, you know, we mentioned like the little table cams. One of the things that makes it so compelling is you know something that the entire table does not. 
Like nobody at that table knows everything that you do. So you're able to watch it in a different way. And when the commentators are watching in a different way too, saying, you know, player A doesn't know this is going to happen. So what are they going to do? Even though they've got this, if they stay in, you know, are they going to get bluffed out or not? You know, like those types of things makes it entertaining for you to watch. And if you really want to do this well, having those graphics so that you know what all the players know, especially for hidden information, makes it much more compelling than just watching a table where most of the information is hidden from you as well. Like, you know less than the players at the table. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Jay asked you whether or not you would like to be on a show like Critical Role. Maybe. I don't know. It's <laughs> a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like it's more pressure to be entertaining. I don't know. Like we had our failed attempt at a um actual play podcast that it was just too hard to make it work in person and we all have you know toddlers and puppies and the like now and it's life is crazy but it's it's pressure to feel like you know you're not just playing you're being entertaining and you're not like talking just for yourself you're not just doing it for your own amusement and it's hard to get out of that headspace because i think you come across as very um stilted that way but like once you get back into it and you realize like when i'm doing this to have fun for myself it's more fun to listen to are you like, not you entertained? Could definitely tell that <laughs> <laughs> like as i listened because i was doing some of the editing chris was doing some of the editing as i listened to us talk you could tell like once we stopped paying attention to the mics like once you stopped focusing on the production aspect of it. It was much more fun to listen to. It flowed much more naturally. Um, and it's it's just easier to be entertaining when you're not trying sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that's, I mean, people like, and I'm talking for myself as as well as, you know, pretty much anyone who's watched Tiger King. Um, I'm just <laughs> assuming. People like watching other people do, like, be real. And yeah. whether that's messed up real or, you know, just normal real, it's entertaining. I don't know. It is entertaining, but it's in an interesting way. Depending if someone's funny and doing, you know, they just happen to be funny in real life. That's fine. But it's like train you could watch someone. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you could watch someone, you know, just do their day job. And, you know, think of like Truman Show, where you're literally, this is a movie <laughs> about following around a guy who's just living his daily life. And you can get, you can understand why that's fascinating because everyone thinks that they're, ah, this is going to sound terrible. Everyone thinks that they're unique in their own problems and their own thoughts and their own ideas, right? And as you see other people having the same things and doing the same things and reacting to things the same way that you would, or maybe even just completely different, it, it's this, it's this draw to say, wow, I'm really interested in what's going on there. Why did that person do that? Or I totally get why that person did that. Both of those things are compelling. So the more real you are, the more interesting you are to listen to or to watch, which is the only reason that we're able to do this podcast and have anyone listen to us because we have absolutely no ability to be entertaining. We just are who we are. That's just deal with it. I think there is, you know, a value to charisma though. Like not everyone can just be real and be relatable um and you know i think there's also especially when you're doing these 
game playthroughs, there's chemistry between people. So, like, even if you're not charismatic on your own, if you have a group of friends who, like, we all get along so well. I think that's um, a lot of podcasts I listen to. Um, <laughs> there's a really great meme where it's a picture of, um, I think it's a Dairy Queen ad where it's, like, three people eating Dairy Queen together and, like, smiling and laughing and, like, a third person in reality sitting next to it. <laughs> it's like this, this is, is what it feels podcasting. like to listen to a podcast <laughs> um but yeah you know when you have good chemistry and they're having fun with each other they're bantering with each other they're obviously having a good time it's like the contagious laughter thing you know when people are having fun you want to be having fun with them and that's more important maybe than getting well, the rules right and having excellent high quality role play and graphics is you know if you're not having fun doing it does anyone want to pay attention to you yeah well i mean if you look at every reality show like there is a reason they introduce alcohol into these reality shows (laughs) it brings down barriers and creates a chemistry with the group Uh, it's it's a cheap tech that's why the last few months of this podcast have just been downhill (laughs) yeah stop being so pregnant all the time (laughs) <laughs> you're so much more it tolerable takes such a long time to grow a human <laughs> i know Ugh, so long but uh, all right so <laughs> i'm like i say this is just one of the things that's been on my mind i've been watching a lot of these actual plays i've been considering doing one myself um again i consider a lot of things <laughs> until they're actually done just assume that I'm, it's all just consideration um but he's probably it, gonna film like three of them and then ever edit one that's my guess of how far you get into this process. Well, so this is this is actually how my process goes for this <laughs> this type of stuff. It's like, okay, do I have enough tripods and cameras to get enough angles? If I have enough first angles, buy everything I that I need. First, buy Sick everything burn, I need. Yeah. <laughs> if I have all the angles I need, can I go through? And then I need to edit all these things down to a single camera view in each different thing. Maybe I can take some pictures and I can do some like, you know, Ken Burns effects on pictures as I narrate over what's going on. <laughs> maybe, maybe I do a low profile. So I'm actually following the characters around on the board. Wait, I could just do stop motion and have the, a stop motion board game going on, which would be amazing. I definitely want to do that. That's going to be amazing. Um, and then I can comment and oh, I could do voices for all the different characters as you're running around. That's perfect. This pandemic has turned Chris into Ben Wyatt. (laughs) (laughs) The next thing I'm thinking is like, we animate this into a Saturday morning cartoon. Oh, wait. Nope. Those don't exist anymore. But uh, anyway, yeah. So that's how my We'll just have to put it on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. Because apparently that's where all the youths are these days. I just heard a thing where it's like YouTube is the TV for... Where all the youths hang out. All the cool kids. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, We need to do a question. This is from Joey. (laughs) (laughs) This is not in the show notes. I'm reading it directly from our email. Um, Let's see. You meant to send it. Uh, All right. Here is my question. Ultimately, we are talking about ways to increase replayability, but when is a scenario game versus a random setup game? So this goes back to our scenario game episode where I said, for me, this is a scenario game. And yes, uh, An interesting thing. So he says, in terms of mechanics, random setup is one or more sets of things that can be combined using a different setup each time. To the game, it doesn't make a difference if things are selected by die roll, bag roll, or player selection. They all need to work together or the game isn't balanced. In Catan, players could place the tiles as they wished instead of randomly. 
would that make Catan a scenario game? And then he follows up with, I would argue that what makes a scenario game is the different setups were created and balanced by the designer and not created by the players. Where that line is, of course, is muddled. The basic scenario is created in zombie side by the designer. But if a player chooses which special zombies to face in the expansion, does it make it a random setup? No. But a game that is basically random setup, but allowed the players to pick instead of being random doesn't suddenly become a scenario game. I think the map is the biggest factor in this. Twilight Imperium 4 isn't a scenario game, despite the rules telling players to build the map each time. Castles of Mad King Ludwig isn't a scenario game, despite the map. The map needs to be pre-made by the designer, but have some random or variable items incorporated. So, actually, his email says Joey Rollins, but his name is Steve. So, sorry, Steve slash Joey. (laughs) Fix your email. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So I did want to, I think it's interesting what he's saying here is, you know, random setup versus scenario setup. They're essentially the same thing. One is just planned out. And I think that's the key. If it's planned out, There's it's a scenario. There's so much gray area here. Oh, oh, certainly. Certainly. I would also say, though, anything that's part of gameplay it makes it not a scenario. So Twilight Imperium setting up the map, you're basically laying out tiles. Um, actually, I'm not going to speak to Twilight Imperium because I've not played it, but my understanding is you're laying out the tiles as part of the game. You're you're putting tiles in different places. But Catan's a better one because I have played that one many, many times. If I randomly set up a Catan game, it's not a scenario. If I set up a Catan game to be a very specific placement of locations and I place the settlements and roads at startup, then that's a scenario. But because typically Catan, even if I did have a set map, because the travel version has a set map, I think, um, or at least it always is the desert in the center, because the players are still making choices at the beginning of the game as part of the setup, it doesn't make it a scenario game. You're, you're, it's part of the game is the setup. Um, I, I don't disagree with them here where the scenarios are created by the designer, um, but it can also, a scenario can be created by other players. It's just, just not created by the players who are playing the game at the time. Agree? Disagree? Don't care? Uh, I'm trying to wade through everything you just said. Well, I'm trying to think of Catan. So, like, in Catan, they have, like, the beginner mode where they basically set up everything for you. It's like you set up the map in this way and then you place your settlements here, here, and here. And then, like, you know, you get these, like, for a three-player game, like, these are the settlements that each player gets, essentially. So is that yeah, a scenario? I would call that a scenario. Yeah. I would call that a scenario. I think Catan is typically played in random setup, but if there is a set board and a set settlements and roads and all of that stuff is set up for you, that is a scenario. And as Terrence points out, most of these games, even if they are normally random setup, when they're played in a tournament setting, are scenarios. Um so I know they do this with Catan, I know they do this with Pandemic. Pandemic. Um, tons of other games that I can't think of right now, but where everyone is playing the same board, the same pieces, the same deck, everything is set for them. And that way it's an even playing field. It's not somebody won because they had the best random setup by chance. It was somebody won because they had the best skills. And that's, so I I don't know if that makes it a scenario game or not. (laughs) Um, maybe just for tournament competitive play, but yeah. so I don't knows? think gray area. Yeah, zombie side lines is, everywhere. 
yeah. Zombie side is an interesting one because they do have scenarios, but they also have um, player choice. I would still call those scenarios. Um, the player choices are adjusting difficulty is how I would look at that. But again, it's it's not a hard and fast definition. Uh, and games that are typically not scenario games could be scenario games at some point, like you were just talking about. Um, and scenario games, many of them could probably have some kind of randomly generated scenario. Uh, does that make it a not a scenario game anymore? Yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one. I, I it, See, I think you can take a non-scenario game and create a scenario for it, but you can't take a game necessarily that was created to have scenarios and randomly generate one that is still balanced necessarily. True. Yeah. Because the randomized game, they have taken into account this is, you know, maybe not. I don't know. It should feel balanced, though, or people probably wouldn't like it. Yeah. Um, but it may not always be the most balanced game because sometimes these random setup games, it's just like one player's like, oh, I got the best starting position. I put my settlement here and now no one can touch me. Ha 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 ha. Um, but most of the time they're fairly balanced. Whereas scenario games, you know, a lot of times these things are supposed to be stacked against the players and you can make it super easy for yourself by selecting your own, you know, scenario. Yeah. Well, and, or you can and make it super games. hard for yourself. Like I said, Cthulhu Death May Die doesn't have any room for random scenarios. It's it's you're picking two things, those things combine to make your your game. But when you look at like Zombie Side, I don't even know if scenarios are necessary there. Like you could just have here's your zombie side map, here's your tokens, boom, go, and just play that over and over and over and you'd be fine. Uh Gloomhaven. Typically scenarios, but there's a random scenario setup. So some games can lend themselves to that. But that random scenario could be incredibly difficult depending on how that comes out. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's a tricky one. Um, I do want to circle back. I saw this in chat with our topic that we were just talking about. And we're going to end on on this particular question. Uh, Sean asks, how much of a deviation from the rules is okay in a in an entertainment video, in a, in a video that you're watching? So D&D... Um, this is something that happens a lot. You might see house rules in there or hand-waving of rules. For a board game, would it be nearly as interesting if you found the players playing incorrectly or not not to the letter of the rules? Would you still be entertained if it was for entertainment value? In board games, there's typically not like a, you know, a DM or a GM that's controlling the thing. So you have to like really follow the rules. But for D and D or something where there is a you know a GM of some sort, then like they are the arbiter of the rules. So I would say like if you're not playing by the rules in the board game, you're kind of like breaking the game in some way. Kitty, totally agree. Um, I do think though with role playing games, you still have to be trying to follow the spirit of the rules it should feel like you're playing at a table with friends like you know you don't want to stop the action to look up the rules for three hours even if you're playing just for fun you know that's it stops being fun um so i think it's the same in life as it is in a podcast like that and it is up to the gm to make the call in the moment and yeah there should be times when they stop and you know follow the real rules but at the same time you know there are some rules that you definitely need to be following. I cannot stand. I know that there are some players out there who fudge their roles 
and lie. And that's not okay. And they do it for entertainment purposes only. And it makes me very angry. <laughs> um, we need to get you behind the screen at I- some point. <laughs> what? Be- we need to get you DMing because it changes oh. your perspective when you're behind the screen as to how that stuff plays out. I, I, but no, I agree with both of you. because you're just a DM who doesn't like to kill people. Um, Characters no, no, need with- to die. It makes things more entertaining. <laughs> I'm f- sure, unless you're the one whose character dies more. after a year of invested. <laughs> so I, mean, I, w- I agree with both of you, though. <laughs> I think that... They do it all the time I- on Glass Cannon. I love it. <laughs> I don't know that it would feel the same if it was my character dying, but like it makes... After having listened to a ton of actual plays, they're one of the few I know of that actually do character death, and it makes it so much better and more meaningful and more fun, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, Like I said, I agree with both of you. I think that on the same side, though, I do think that house rules um, are fine as long as it's clearly stated ahead of time what those rules are. So whether For you're sure. in a, yeah, whether you're in a D and D or like I don't play Gloomhaven by the rules as written for a couple different things, and if I were ever to stream something like that, I'd be like I don't use this rule in this way. We are doing it this way, just to let everyone know I'm not missing a rule. I'm not misinterpreting. I'm making a conscious decision to change it because it I'm nothing the game bothers better. me. It, I'm making <laughs> the game better, better for me. That and that's the key is better for me, better yeah. for my group. Um, but if I'm watching a video and someone's playing by the wrong rules, it drives me nuts. If I know the rules and I see that they're doing it wrong, I it invalidates everything that's going on if they're not doing it intentionally. I do think, you know, if you're if you've put so much effort into filming something, you've already done all this stuff, you know, even just putting like some text on the screen that says, I played this rule wrong. Yep. I'm 100% sorry. Fine. Acknowledging it is fine. Totally yep. fine. You know, people are not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. But, you know, if you are putting all this time and effort into learning, filming, editing, playing this game for people to watch, you should be double checking, triple checking yourself on the rules and, you know, be totally willing to admit like, oops, I got this wrong. And don't Ha-ha, change it. For- this is how it's supposed to work, but I'm yeah. not going to fix it for the rest of this video because that would take me three more weeks or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, and especially for board games, don't change it for entertainment value. Don't don't assume no. that this is more entertaining, more interesting if I rolled this instead of that because I get to show you this other thing. Ugh. Just play it as it goes. That's more interesting. How do you respond to what actually comes up? All right, this is already really long. Um, I apologize. So. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get out of here. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Twitter is Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty's Lawful Good Mom. Uh, Fletcher is Net Fletch. I am Game Master Chris. Uh, leave us an iTunes review because that's cool. And go to Patreon, tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. In the near future, um, within the next few weeks anyway, uh, most of our back catalog, anything that's over 100 episodes old, is going to be on Patreon just so that I can free up the feed and make sure that everything posts normally on the normal feed. Um, but just letting you know. Plus, we might have some extra things. I just mentioned a painting video at the top of the show. Um, those may become Patreon-only things. Right now, they're not going to be, but um, also just, you know, Patreon's cool. We want to get to glass cannon numbers so that we don't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make nice. us full time. <laughs> wow. 
Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember we love your feedback, so email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons. Adam Harrison, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Wong, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Anne Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric Sealander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Glenn Cotter, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Rackstead, Ron Nelson, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keefe, Nicholas Lotz, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Matthew Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, David Rank, Sam Lassett Brown, and Christopher Comstock. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. actor who played the other commentator in Pitch Perfect is John Michael Higgins. And he is in like everything. He is in like one episode of every sitcom ever, if not more. And he's uh, the most likable misogynist um, in the movies. (laughs) Perfect.